says precious snowflakes that we are the, I don't know, what do you want to call it? This is Precious Snowflakes, pot, uh, episode number two. Uh, this is Ben Phelps. This is Lelius Rose. And our producer, Chris Florio. Uh, so welcome to another week of Precious Snowflakes. Where we ramble about nonsense. and yeah, we've, got, we've got two <laughs> topics today. One is uh, infantilizing laws, a.k.a. I want to be able to hold my own damn cell phone in my hand. And topic two is the wiretapping. Uh, why should we care about whether or not Trump Tower had a wiretap when, in fact, we all kind of are being wiretapped? Uh, so that's me already editorializing in my titles. So if you haven't uh, uh, stopped listening already, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this the the issue with the uh, what we're talking about with the uh, cell phone law, the Washington. Uh, state Senate, uh, I believe they pr they preliminarily passed uh, a bill that's now going to go to the State House of Representatives. It's basically a uh, an expansion of the uh, of the s using a cell phone while driving. Well, I don't actually have. I should probably have the news article in right. front of me right now. But the gist of it is, um, currently the, there's a loophole in the current law where basically if the cops uh, pull you over for using your cell phone while driving. They have to ask you what you were doing because there are certain permissible things you're allowed to do. For example, if you're using it for navigation, if you say, well, I was using uh, my GPS, that's considered OK, whereas texting is considered not OK. So uh, now they're they're expanding uh, the the law or so that it covers basically any handheld use of your phone. So basically just holding your phone in, in your hand, even if you're just. I don't know, holding it in one hand while driving would be uh, would be uh, an infraction punishable by a $124 fine. And I believe uh, they also said the, that it would escalate uh, with uh, subsequent offenses with the possibility of having your license suspended. But the idea is it's there. They're getting tough. Every, you know, there's uh, uh, people are, there's, uh, you know, deaths due to distracted driving are going up and, and, and they need to do something. They're getting a lot of pressure from their constituents to do something about this very, uh, this very public and, and you know, this, this problem, as I put the air quotes up in the air. I suspect <laughs> that they're getting a lot of pressure from the kinds of constituents who don't know how to use a smartphone with mm -hmm. one hand. Um, sure. And, and on one hand, as everyone, a lot of people would like to say, well, you know, that's one of those laws that I, I support for other people because I'm a multitasker, right? I'm totally safe while doing it. And I'll, I th it's like everyone thinks, I, I think something like 80% of all drivers think that they're good drivers and think that 80% of everybody else are bad drivers. And so we don't, not all of us are necessarily honest with ourselves about how good we are at handling distractions while driving. But I have a but I have a few problems with this approach in general. It's not that I, I mean I I do admit that there are you know the distracted driving is a problem. It's the, my 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 where I take umbrance is with the uh, with the with the government's approach to combating it, which I think over the you know the the last 20, 30 years ever since cell phones you know came into widespread use that all these laws I, I don't think have really worked all that well no well it, it comes back to 
a fundamental issue that um, that libertarians love to talk about, which is the there ought to be a law mm-hmm. fallacy that whenever there's a perceived problem in society, the response from both the left and the right is typically to say there ought to be a law. Well, and let's make no mistake. I mean, distracted driving is a real problem. It's more right. than just perception. No, no, it's distracted people pro- do get into accidents and yes, let and me clarify and die. <laughs> let me clarify. I do believe that distracted driving is a problem. Uh, and I would like to think that I'm pretty acutely aware of it because one of the things that I've done in my life is professional driving. I mean, so have you. Oh, sure. Yeah. So we've both, we have both been paid to guard, you know, people's most precious possessions, which is to say their children. Mm-hmm. You know, it has been my job, especially to drive people's kids to doctor's appointments and hospitals and the like. You know, that's one of the roles that I've served in my life as a camp staff person well then shouldn't you of all people know the dangers of distracted driving and 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 i mean what do you have against you know people getting a 124 dollar ticket if they're fiddling with their phone especially teenagers you know it's one thing you know for experienced drivers but you know we have to have a law for the lowest common denominator because we have to set a good example right and these there's all these i mean teens haven't you always heard about these final texts that people send right before they die and Um, and and i mean it's not really i mean we sort of chuckle about it but it isn't really funny there's you know teenagers are less experienced they're just oh i mean (laughs) oh trust me this they make they have poor they don't always use the best judgment uh when i was in i can't remember if it was my senior year of high school or the gap year that i took afterwards a friend of mine was driving herself home from a youth group event that had been an all-nighter event. Mm-hmm. And she was distracted while driving purely because she had not slept for 24 hours. And she drove off the road and wrapped her car around a tree. Sure. and But that's been happening, of right. course. Ever since teenagers right. well, have been driving, ever since anyone's been driving, people, people screw up while they're driving well, for a variety of reasons. Right. What I was getting to is that, right, people screw up for a variety of reasons. Uh... It's always an issue. You know, that in that situation, that mm-hmm. actually turned out to be the best case scenario, right? Because, sure. yeah, she totaled her car, but she was fine and no one else well, got hurt. she's lucky. But let me ask you, Ben. Do you think it should be legal to text while you're driving? Do you think that should just be okay? I fundamentally... Yes or no? Yes or no? Should it be legal or not legal? Yes, but the consequences of doing that should be illegal. Okay, so you think if a cop sees you just, like, texting away, that should not be grounds for pulling you over. So you, so it should not be legal. But if you crash your car while you're texting, it's still illegal to crash your car because you're distracted. Bingo. Ah. I'm a big believer in consequences being punishable, but not state of mind. Uh-huh. Um, so you don't believe in prevention? It's... <laughs> prevention prevention is flawed a lot of it ends up being case by case some people are able to be distracted while driving by having a dog in the car some people are distracted by weariness some people are distracted by taking sudafed for their colds or for you know or by antidepressants but isn't texting different isn't it an epidemic of people getting into accidents because they're texting or otherwise, or Facebooking, or or Snapchatting, or other, or God knows what. 
Well, this is a good lesson for the two of us because the next time we address this topic, you know what we need? Public data. Oh. We need to have the public data in front of us. Why should, why should we let, why should we let, you know, why should we cloud the issue with facts? Everybody knows <laughs> the texting is a problem. Didn't you hear about the, all these people who use the snap, the Snapchat speed filter? I mean, is there anything more awful than in, in, in just, you know, asking for trouble? You know, the, I mean, I just can't, why would they even do it? I see all these people on the, uh, on the, the news is like, why would they even, that's just so irresponsible. A speed filter. Right. Cause most of the people who use, I mean, most of the people, people who use the snap and chats are high school kids who aren't necessarily driving themselves places. And I actually feel pretty bad for the Snapchat people who probably created that thinking mm -hmm. that people would be using it exclusively in as passengers <laughs> and just didn't even think about like, oh shit, people are going to do this while driving. Sure. Uh, it's... I mean, this is the thing. I well, just who I, who who why do you who is really behind you know these things? Why do you think that uh, every state has basically outlawed holding a phone up to your ear while driving or texting or whatever? What is what is the real driving force? Who's behind it? Is it just is it just hand wringing? You know, mothers who are worried about their kids getting helicopter parents. I mean, what's the deal? It's the there ought to be a law thing. Okay. People people see a problem. Well, and real in this case perceived in others. Well, and people using their phones while driving is a very visible problem. Right, it's a very visible problem and their response isn't I want to go out there and do something to resolve this problem. Their response is there ought to be a law. I'm okay. going to make I'm going to make a single phone call and that will be my contribution. But then if it just saves just one life. I mean, if it just saves one life, wouldn't it be worth it? If it maybe just discourages somebody, if, just because, you know, they don't want to get pulled over. So, you know, maybe they're going to think twice. You That's know, all we're trying to get people to do is is think twice, right? And I do want people to think twice about their actions while driving because there well, are if lots there's, of if things there's no law against, if it's if they're not if there's no law against it, why should I mean these we're talking about impulsive people. And here we come to one of the big factors for me, which is the difference between primary and secondary offenses. Okay. So if the argument is that this is a thing that makes it uh, that makes it less likely that someone will do it, then wouldn't the same thing be true if it were a secondary offense where you only get the you only get the ticket or the escalation. Oh, I see. You mean actually if you've already committed a, so, an additional crime. So you're saying the cops should only pull people over if, if they actually do something dangerous, as opposed to do something that looks dangerous. Yeah, that is more or less what I'm saying. Reckless driving, which is incredibly vague and nebulous, is already a crime. <laughs> there are lots of things that we create specific laws against that actually all fall under the umbrella of reckless driving. And yet we double up and triple up these laws in a way that ends up largely just punishing people. Well, I'll tell you my big issue with prohibition of anything, any widespread problem is that it turns everyone basically into a scofflaw. I mean, prohibition of alcohol was pro is probably the most famous example where the reason it, it didn't work is because so many people were still drinking it. It basically turned the country into a nation of scofflaws, it was said. 
Yeah, people didn't yeah. take it seriously. It was kind of it was almost like a joke, you know. And that's you know these days, you know, marijuana is is like that. It's it's maybe it maybe you can make a lot of arguments that it's harmful, but the fact is, lots of people do it, and they're going to do it no matter what the law is. And you can't ever make the law so harsh. <laughs> that it, I mean, you'd have there you wouldn't be able to lock enough people up. Uh, I was reading a few months ago in in Oregon, there was one of the legislators down there with was coming up with incredibly punitive uh, ideas for taking away people's driver's licenses for a year if they got caught. I mean, just real hardcore. And this is like a liberal Democrat in like Salem or somewhere. And this, this, I mean, you see this all the time in online comments, uh, people. And I think they really mean it when they say that we should treat, you know, distracted driving with similar penalties to drunk driving. They, they see it as, as that, serious an issue and and they'll and they'll cite studies saying that people who are you know using their phones or whatever are just as dangerous as someone who's drunk but then i mean it comes back to it i mean well what's what's really the issue is it is it the is it what they're is it the fact that they're using the phone or is it the fact that they're driving off the road or what's what's the deal and how do you really i mean do these laws actually change people's behavior i i don't know how much the, the the law about holding the phone up to your ear how much that's actually had an effect you still see all you have to do is drive down the street you see plenty of people doing it especially commercial drivers i, I cannot tell you how many phone conversations i have had with people uh, especially people who live and drive in los angeles mm-hmm. who who all of a sudden in the middle of a conversation will say hold on a second i have to put my phone in my lap yeah well yeah it, w- one of the things one of the behaviors i've noticed that did sort of change when they made it against the law to hold your phone up to your ear is people started using their speaker phones and just holding it in their hand, you know, a few inches. Like, like you see people just holding their phones out or setting it in their lap. And so they're not, you know, holding it up to their ear. And it's kind of also, I mean, that, that's, of course, that's making the assumption that holding it up to your ear is more dangerous than just being holding on the phone hand. in general. Yeah. But yeah, we might run a little bit over. Chris is uh, signaling that we're <laughs> running low on time. Or Chris and I were Two having. Minutes. We may go a little bit long on this. I don't know. Okay, so I've got a lot more. We should well, really I want get you more. To make the point that I think yeah, be yeah. Made. Well, yeah. Chris was um. The poor people. Well, sure. Yeah, and I was going to get to that. I mean, Chris and I were talking earlier about what were what were we talking about? I just had the it on the tip. No, about but before that, about um the issue of uh, seatbelts. We were talking about seatbelts. How. Uh, you I, I, people will say, well, you know, when when they made seatbelts mandatory, people started wearing them more, which I think is maybe an example of a of a Except correlation without a causation. Buses. You know, I don't, I'm not. I mean, yes, people wear seatbelts a lot more than they did before they were required, but I'm not so sure that the it's so much the law, but just a changing attitudes towards safety and people growing up wearing seatbelts. I mean, you see, click it or ticket all over the place, but I'm not sure that's why people wear seatbelts. Because they're afraid of getting a ticket. Yeah. I think they're more afraid. I think the the consequences of not wearing seatbelts have become so widely publicized that I I, I mean personally I I would never want to drive around not wearing a seatbelt. Wasn't those drivers ed? Those so, drivers ed like trips where people are just mangled on the highway and stuff. Well, I was Wasn't so. Were those more effective? I just uh, I just rewatched. I did my machete order rewatch of X-Men because of Logan. Mm-hmm. I watched X-Men, X-Men 2, uh, X-Men First Class, and Days of Future Past. 
And there's a there's a joke. That's a joke in the original X-Men where Rogue and Wolverine are driving down a road and Rogue turns to him and says, shouldn't you be wearing a seatbelt? And he turns to her to be like, don't you tell me what to do? And then immediately <laughs> crashes and flies through the windshield. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's the thing with, with seatbelts. I think people who don't, who don't care about their safety don't really care that much about getting a ticket probably either i mean yeah. if you're willing to take that kind of risk i mean are you worried about well, getting if, pulled over <laughs> one of the things i know there is abundant data on you know abundant evidence for is that the more people focus on their own safety while driving the less likely they are to get into accidents mm-hmm. and one of the interesting ways we know that that is true is you can actually chart, you know, how many laws are there about driving and, you know, how how likely are they to be pulled over by a cop versus how safely are they driving. They're actually more likely to drive more safely if there's sort of less other things to worry about. <laughs> Having to worry about a state police officer, you know, on every highway exit, uh-huh. that is actually distracting interesting the same that, as I, that that's sleep. that's interesting i'd like to hear i'd like to see some data we know that. right we know this the from more... montana's data on um on speed limits that during the periods the multiple periods in which montana had no speed limit they had fewer highway accidents than when they did mm-hmm. and the state chalked it up to well when we have speed limits <laughs> people are worried about speeding because they're worried about get, being pulled over when there's no speed limit they're not focused on driving according to the law. They're focused on driving according to themselves, according to ah, how safely, how safe they feel while driving. So are you saying it should be okay to just drive a hundred and hundred plus miles an hour? That's just so irresponsible and unsafe. And if you're on a 500 mile long well, stretch yeah. of straight away. Well, that's again, it's like, should the law be, you can only drive x fast this miles per hour or should the law be that it should be illegal to drive at an unsafe speed of course then you have and again (laughs) and again we have this vague nebulous law in the books well yeah that i am not saying we should get rid of i think it's great that we have a law that says driving recklessly and if if it can be conclusively proven that the reason you crashed is because you were driving too fast well then that that's sort of like right. the cell phone. So I'm going to say something. I'll get to what I we really wanted. What I really wanted to mention, which is kind of a controversial position. I'm going to say something controversial now, because you know a lot of the proponents, the biggest proponents of these of these cell phone safety laws, tend to be people of the more liberal persuasion. Usually Democrats. A lot of Republicans support these things also. But I've noticed, at least here in Washington and Oregon, and most of these laws seem to be pushed mostly by Democrats and liberals. And one thing about about all these, uh, you know, traffic laws is a, a, a true a, something that's true that a lot of people don't like to admit is that they are very regressive and disproportionately punish poor people. Yep. I mean, and it, I mean, one uh, one of the most interesting things that. You know, there. What is it? I think it's. Uh, is it Norway or Sweden or, or Finland or? I mean, there's some Scandinavian country. I forget which one. Where the um, where the traffic fines are based on your income, and so it's a, so if somebody is you know rich, they you know getting a, a traffic ticket could cost them you know well, tens of thousands a, of dollars. Uh, John Oliver did a great piece about bail, mm-hmm. about oh, bail yeah. money, and he showed his two examples. Um, What's-his-face, the family-murdering jerk. 
who got a $250,000 bail. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and yeah. he, was, he was asked in an interview, like, how did you feel about that? And he was like, oh, goodbye money, goodbye bail. Exactly. Like, who cares? <laughs> I'm out. I'm out of the country. Yeah, the jinx. What's his name? Fred? Is his, what's his face? Uh, what's yeah. his name, Chris? Right. The, uh, the guy who uh, who killed all the killed all his wives and everything, the HBO documentary. Remember, Frank? What was his name? Frank? <laughs> we'll have to come back to it. Uh, but compare that to like someone who ends up with a five thousand dollar bail for some petty crime, who can't afford it. You know, when it comes to things like set amount tickets it's always much more of a punishment for people who are poor than it is for people who are rich. You get a $124 (laughs) ticket if you're like a white-collar, you know, tech employee Mm -hmm. in the Seattle area. You're not going to care at all. $124. It's not a big... It's not going to ruin your life. By the way, yeah. Robert Durst is the guy. Robert Durst. I was thinking, Frank, I was thinking... Fred Durst. Yes, exactly. That's the only other Durst I could think of. Anyways. Eerily similar people. But yeah, the thing, of course... You know, a rich person, maybe they don't care about the $124, but I bet you they'd care about losing their driver's license. But then again, what's the penalty for driving without a driver's license? Another ticket, right? I mean, it's, right. it's another then, headache. Well, and people, <laughs> and then you, you bump into regressiveness all over again mm-hmm. because people who are poor are more likely to need a driver's license in order to work. Yeah, or be, have it be part of their job. I mean, yep. Like, you know, if you're an Uber or a Lyft driver, I mean, using, sometimes messing with your phone while you're driving is part of your job description. And, you know, it's, the fact is these people are going to be on, especially commercial drivers, they're driving more, they're covering more miles, they're they're just more likely to get pulled over because they're doing more driving. Yeah, I have, uh, I can tell stories about that. I drove 50,000 miles in like six months once. But here's um, but but here's the thing is like with these um like let's I I I can give you a, a personal example I I've gotten pulled over in Washington State before and unlike California where you can make a, a ticket basically disappear for insurance purposes you still have to pay it but for the purposes of being reported to your insurance in California you can do this non this bullshit traffic school thing where you do it online or go to a class or whatever and then they they basically dismiss the case for the purpose of reporting it to your insurance company. Here in Washington, they don't do that. You can pay for a quote-unquote deferment, which is basically where you say you're sorry, and then they, as long as you don't get another ticket within two years, they don't report it. But I found the best way to deal with a, with a traffic citation here in Washington State, whether you're guilty or not, is hire an attorney, and there are a whole bunch of traffic attorneys. I, can rec- I won't plug them right here on the air. But you just, you make a phone call, and it costs, slightly more than the cost of the ticket and this attorney will just go take care of it for you they go they know all the judges they they just they know how to deal with the courts they will either they will either get it dismissed completely which is about 80 90 percent of the time or worst case scenario they'll bargain it down to a non-reportable offense like a seatbelt violation so anybody who's got the wherewithal to do that is not this this ticket is just an inconvenience for them i mean that's I mean, what is it? $124 is kind of the standard fine for your typical moving violation in Washington. I know speeding uh, gets goes up depending on how much you're speeding, but you know, it's it's a it's poor people a are not going to necessarily 
you know, know that they can do this or be able to afford it. Uh, they certainly aren't going to be able to take the time off work or whatever to go to court. It's a lot less likely. But, you know, rich assholes like me or whatever, <laughs> or whatever people driving, you know, the fan, people who can afford to, with these people with money, richer, whiter people are not really, this. they're not going to get their, they're not going to lose their licenses or they're going to have to do, a, they're going to have to do a Man, lot worse a, things before they lose their license. This is all Washington State. God, I got. Washington State in general was, is, tends to be very regressive well, in their. Well, but uh, criminal penalties. But like, it's the ticketing situation is not as bad as in other states. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I lived in New York for four years while I was going to school, and I've lived in New York uh, at a variety of other places at various points in my life. Um, but I got a I got a ticket in the state of New York when I was like nineteen, mm-hmm. and because I come from Washington State, where they don't have the point system on the license, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but New York does. All those points get transformed into money. Mm-hmm. So I ended up with a ticket that was like twelve hundred dollars for speeding, just because of the points. Just because of the points in New York, you say? Or? Yeah, in New oh, York, okay. I ended up. I was, you know, being a stupid nineteen-year-old, and I was speeding on a highway, and I got pulled over, and it ended up being a twelve hundred dollar ticket. What did you pay it? I did. Okay. I did pay it over time okay but i mean did you plan. ever think twice about whether you really whether that was the best approach or whether it could be fought or dealt with see it could it couldn't be fought because whether i was working at camp or living in rochester i couldn't get to like binghamton to go to the county well court. that's the great thing about hiring an attorney you have to go anywhere <laughs> you just make a phone call and give them your credit card number <laughs> and they take care of the rest yeah that i couldn't do yeah that it was well, only... I bet you you could hire a lawyer for less than twelve hundred bucks to go deal with a traffic ticket. Well, <laughs> but you didn't know. See, most people right, don't know I was, that. I was. 19. They just assume that they're screwed. They because most most average folks know that when they go into traffic or court, court, the odds are very much stacked against them. The cop, whether whether even if you've got a completely bogus ticket and the cop is just out to get you and lies through their teeth, you're still gonna lose, right? Unless you've got something really concrete. You know, the most of these these judges and and these cops and the, the prosecutors and everyone, they all play golf together. They're all it's all buddy buddy. This is a revenue operation. You have to have somebody who really knows the t- technicalities, the ins and outs of the judicial system if you really want to beat one. But it's not that hard if you know what you're doing. And traffic lawyers, I, I'm sure they, I'm sure they make a very good living. The fact that there are lawyers who specialize in traffic tickets tells you. Yeah, something. that says a lot. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. what else do you have to say about this issue? If <laughs> yeah, I guess as a sum up of my feelings, I really don't think that a person's state of mind should be the thing that is punishable. I think that a person's actions ought to be punishable. And mm, well, you know, every crime has two elements. You know, the uh, <laughs> the mens rea, the mental, the mental state, the intent, and the actus reus, the actual act. That is that is what makes least, that's that's the whole theory of of, of crime. At the very least, law. I think the intent should be secondary to the action. Okay, well, no intent, no crime. <laughs> it's a basic well, tenet of criminal law. But you, you have, have to be, prove the intent. Well, sure. The act That's is what one you're thing. saying. You have to be capable of forming should, the state of mind required to commit a criminal act. But should act, the action and the intent... You have to have both is the point. Right. And should, But should they be completely yeah. separate crimes? Is, should holding a phone in your hand be a criminal act? Just even, even if you're just, you know, picking it up to p- plug it in or just 
you know, putting it in your pocket. <laughs> Just touching your phone while you're in your own. I mean, because that's basically what the law says, is you're not allowed to touch your phone while you're in your car. <laughs> yeah. I mean, by the same definition, you could make it illegal to talk to passengers or to turn your radio on or whatever. But anyway. Or eat a sandwich. I'm sure I'm sure if anyone is actually listening to us, they might feel inclined to send us hate mail or tell us why we're so irresponsible. And, yes, and please. Now, and, now, and now now would be a good time to do that commercial break. Um, and now this. Send all your hate mail, love mail, etc., etc., to Flakes at villareality.com. That's Snowflakes at B-I-L-L-A-R-E-A-L-I-T-Y. I'm such an awesome driver. I'm such an awesome driver. I can drive. I, there's no such thing as distracted. I can multitask. I should be able to do whatever I want because I'm special. <laughs> I'm we also pro- have a Facebook page. <laughs> Agreed. We also have a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash precious snowflakes. Uh, a podcast. What? Really? We didn't get precious snowflakes? Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Driving may be a privilege, but I'm also privileged. That's... Facebook.com slash <laughs> Or um, our Twitter at, wait a minute, you're in charge of the Twitter, right? What is our Twitter? Oh, is it um, at Precious, I forgot. I, at, <laughs> at Precious Flake, I think? Yeah, at Precious Flake. I think so. I mean, you put me on the spot. I, I've never actually tweeted from it. I just set it up. I know. I know. Well, we got to I could actually look at my phone and tell you if you give me. Yeah, so. Uh, you, you, you should have really warned me before you ask me to. Uh, how do you? Okay. Okay. You will. You will edit this if I turns out. Yeah. At at Precious Flake. Yes. That's right. This podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron. No, just kidding. Because every podcast is apparently brought to you by Blue Apron. Or Audible. Or Audible. I have one follower. I think it's that's no, Chris. That's not, that's not me. <laughs> it's Chris. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. There, no. Not okay. Yeah. We we don't have sponsors. Okay. Um, and now we're going to talk about something much more serious. We're going to talk about the President of the United States. <laughs> That's uh, a very serious oh, it's topic. sad that I laughed. Um, the leader of the free world. Leader of the free world. And the fact that he is currently accusing the immediate past President of the United States of having Trump Tower wiretapped. Is he still accusing, or did he just tweet? And does that actually count as accusing? Does Twitter I, Trump count? I don't even know. Uh, Is it just? But his... here's here's the question that I would ask to the people of the world, you know, all of whom are listening to us, listening. either now or in the future. Mm-hmm. Hello, future. Um, here's my question: Given what we know about warrantless wiretapping in this country, about the Patriot Act, uh, about FISA courts, and about the recent, the recent like, WikiLeaks uh, indicating that the CIA has been trying to break into people's iPhones and Android phones to turn them all into warrantless microphones. Why would wiretapping the personal phone of a major party presidential candidate actually be a scandal? Because because it's because Obama because he hates Trump so much because he went out he was he was willing to do anything and every and just has you know everyone knows that President Obama has no respect for the Constitution right <laughs> everyone knows that 
you know, well, you joke. I, sometimes I wish he'd gone that far. I mean, what do you mean? Uh, you joke. A good friend of mine uh, who was a religious studies major in college once said to me that there are two kinds of religious studies majors. Uh, those who are firm believers in whatever their faith of choice is and those who are just super atheists who are just fascinated by like the bullshit that in their opinion people believe and i do sometimes wonder if con law professors go the same way if con law professors come in the flavors of constitutional you know theist extremists and constitutional atheists so i'm thinking it must have gone something like this so obama you know, really wanted to know. He really wanted to hear Trump's phone calls, right? Because he knew there was probably something going on with Russia. He just, he had, I mean, it was, compl it's completely ridiculous. But, you know, he's on a witch hunt, right? For this whole Russia thing. So he, he picks up the phone and he calls up Jim Comey. And he's like, Jim. Yes, um, yes, it's, 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 it's Barack. I, um, I'd like to put a wiretap on, on Donald Trump at his, at his offices in Trump Tower. No, 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 no warrant. No, I don't want to go to the FISA court. No. No, just 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 tap his phones and and send me all the recording. Yes, on uh, preferably on tape because you know I I'm old school like that. I I like it on tape. But yeah, just uh, go ahead and do a wiretap. And to which Comey says, oh, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'll 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 get that for you right away, Mr. President." Uh, even though I'm trying to sink Hillary's campaign right now <laughs> by uh by making it seem like you know this whole like uh you know email th by trying to bring up this whole email thing with congress again yeah i'll, I'll take care of that for you but shh, shh, keep it on the dl okay you know people people listening to this who know me personally will know that i am no i am no particularly big fan of president obama uh i did vote for him the first time he ran and then because I, to not vote for him would be racist of course uh and you would not want to be racist and then i voted well and then i voted for gary johnson in 2012 that's how oh, I became a libertarian. That's racist, Ben. Although I have to say, you are the second least racist person that I have ever met, second to Donald Trump, of course. He of is course. the he, because uh, he is the least racist person you will ever meet. Oh, if you course. had the honor of meeting him, so you, you would note it, and and the least anti-Semitic. But go ahead. So I have I have no I have no great love for President Obama, but. Aww. Yeah, uh, he loves you. But I do, I do, like, I hear this story, you know, like, uh, President, President Obama had me warrantlessly wiretapped. And my response to it is, if that's true, Welcome I'm willing to, to bet, I'm willing to bet, <laughs> like, if, if Trump Tower really was warrantlessly wiretapped, I'm willing to bet money that President Obama didn't even know about it. That it was just mm. one of those things that our massive military intelligence law enforcement bureaucracy, like, it is totally in character for mm -hmm. them to be wiretapping presidential candidates. And, but the thing is, I mean, the, the, I mean, the real, the, the, the real story is where did Trump get this little nugget from? I mean, was it from... Has been wild has been widely reported. A Breitbart article that Steve Bannon just happened to show him. Well, there's and a... did he just impulsively? I mean, apparently he was kind of in a bit of a of a mood last Friday when he when he so left there's... Washington to go to Mar-a-Lago. There's a simple solution to this. The oh, simple... I... right. Uh, well, it would solution. be very simple. He picks up the phone and 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 calls up 
The Justice. Hello. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, yes. Did you, um, did the Justice, or, no, actually, no, he calls Comey. Actually, wouldn't he? Well, I mean, he could call Sessions, because Comey, we all know, is bullshit. He's, well, he's, he's, he's the one who did it illegally with the So he calls up Session Sessions. So did you, did you, ta- did, did, uh, did you, did you tap, uh, did you, did you, uh, tap, uh, Obama? Did, did you, did Obama tap my phone? Uh, no, he didn't do that. One of the things that has been implied is that Trump has now seen some sort of classified information that would tell him of some sort of conspiracy by the Obama administration against him. Uh, which, first of all, like, was there an Obama administration effort to get Trump not elected? Of course there was. It was very public. Uh, yeah, it wasn't exactly a conspiracy. Right. Was there a separate secret conspiracy within the government to sink Trump's candidacy that is now... Like, in the classified documents, but not in the public sphere. Well, President Trump, I, I direct this to you now. Don, if you have this information, you have the authority to declassify that information mm-hmm. and make it public. It would you be don't, kind, you don't have to do anything. You just have to say, this is declassified, and then have some one of your staff members tweet a, tweet a screen Well, here's the it. thing. If it's true that that the FBI wiretapped Trump and didn't find anything incriminating, you would think that that information would be extremely politically beneficial to Trump if it turns out that the FBI actually did wiretap him and there's nothing incriminating. Yep. Because the only reason, yep. I mean, of course, if there's nothing incriminating, if there's no there there, then why not just release it? But if it turns out that they did, uh, it did actually happen, but it's but it, there's an ongoing investigation and it's too classified to release. Oh, maybe that isn't such a good story. You know, I never, I make it a rule to never fall back on if you haven't done anything wrong, you have nothing to hide. Because when it comes to private citizens, uh, you should be allowed to hide lots of things from other people because privacy is, as determined by the Supreme Court, a constitutional right. We have a constitutional right to privacy. Mm-hmm. But that ends when you get yourself in the big seat or when you um or anytime you're on the phone with uh with russians yeah uh <laughs> if you're the president of the united states i'm sorry well even uh, if you're you not have lost resident. your right to privacy i mean if you're on the phone with any like russian operative anyone in the russian government you can pretty much assume that the cia and the nsa has got all those people's phones tapped I mean, unless it's a secure line, and even then, God knows what they can really get into. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other thing. But if you're on the phone with, like, the Russian ambassador or some FSB agent, is there any doubt in your mind that, that U.S. intelligence is listening to those calls? Is that, like, a secret? I mean... You know, I, I can't remember which of them it was. It was either it was either General H.R. McMaster, National Security Advisor, or retired general and uh secretary of homeland security john kelly one of the two of them said to his staff make no mistake russia is our enemy Mm -hmm. and you know i would love to live in a world of peace and sunshine where we don't really have enemies anymore but i think we do and it is appropriate for our spy agencies to be tapping the phones of russian officials that's kind of well. They do it to us. I'm sure. I mean, right. that's what they do. But like I mean, that's it's... the actual job of our intelligence apparatus mm-hmm. 
the a, their actual to job spy on foreign governments is, yeah. to, is to spy on our enemies <laughs> so if you're they, talking to them then but but if they were spying on us and they weren't spying on the russians so here's the thing i mean this trump tweeted this thing saturday morning well that's six days ago he hasn't said a peep about it since and there have been some reports that apparently he's he, too busy he, apparently the he, southern white house apparently the the story is that he knows that he fucked up and this is you know he knows that he does there's not really any evidence it is just what he read in a breitbart article and he there's no more evidence that he has to cite without making himself look even so he's can't. just i mean he's pawned it off onto congress that oh i'm gonna have a congr- the intelligence committee is gonna investigate it and that's like investigate what just some random and investigate a breitbart article i mean you know from the that was based on the musings of some talk show host it's a sad day when we can no longer trust breitbart yeah well i mean the real issue is the way it undermines so the credibility of the few years now i mean it, it undermines the credibility of the office of the, of the president i mean that's the sad truth of it and the fact is if if he's going to lie and, and make up this kind of nonsense for stuff that's just, I mean, right now it seems like a joke, but what happens when there's a real crisis that's not of his own making? I when when, when he doesn't, when he isn't shooting himself in the foot, when, when some real shit goes down in the world or we get attacked or something and, 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 and we have to rely on him to, to get information, then what are the, those consequences? I mean, that's where it gets real. You know, having, having sort of, quietly pooped on the legacy of president obama earlier in this podcast i would like to say that one of the things that i do appreciate about president obama and that i appreciate about many of our past presidents is that one of the most important jobs of the president of the united states is purely optical it's it's looking like the leader of mm-hmm. the free world and president obama always carried himself with with sort of a distinct dignity He's a man that just exudes dignity. Just everything about him. Right. Except for the, you know, murdering 16-year-olds. But that's a subject for another day. Well, yes. Uh, but I mean, I mean, what, how many presidents are just more, who are more eloquent in writing or in speech than him? Who are just more, I mean, right, better to me. I mean, Reagan was a, a great at, like, reading a teleprompter. He wasn't, like, a great writer. Whereas <laughs> Obama is both. He's a great orator as well. I mean, since... I mean, he's, he's kind of up there in the same League of Lincoln as far as being both a writer and a speaker. I mean, that very, not very, that, that kind of communication it's skill. all the right-wing libertarians a, who were listening to this. That's Bye! A, that's a rare talent. Uh, well, saying that President <laughs> Obama is a good communicator? That's, I don't think that's all. <laughs> that's not a controversial statement. <laughs> no, he was a good communicator. He still um, is. Right, he still is. Um, yeah, and it does, I... My one of my biggest problems with President Trump is the fact that he diminishes the dignity of both the office of the president of the United States and the dignity of the United States of America. Because you can't take him seriously. Yeah, because he can't cause he can't take what he says. It uh, and like a person should never take what a politician says at face value. But when it comes to questions of legality and illegality, mm-hmm. we should be able to trust our president a little bit. Well, most political like lies are fairly transparent. I mean, they're sort of like with a wink and a nod. It's like, you know, when someone's, you know, pandering 
to you generally. It's they, they, there's a certain like tone and a way of saying well, it. A... You don't you don't. It's not like a normal lie where it's like oh okay they're trying to deceive me. It's you, it, they're they're speaking to a certain audience and and it's called spin. I believe is the right. There's a term. style to it. You don't you don't fabricate you don't, things. You massage them. You don't just make up complete nonsense. You take I mean, right. You take. Instead of taking all the data, with no source, you just look at the data that agrees with you. But exactly. it's real. You it's real, pick, and it agrees you know. with you. But and then when shit gets real, you know, you 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 kind of change your tune a little bit. I mean, W understood that. I mean, even W's a, a president that I I did not have all that much respect for. I mean, he he knew how to he knew how to speak to the country when 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 shit got real. He is also a master of passive aggressive sarcasm. <laughs> That's uh, true. He's still good at that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and w- one of the things that I remembered at the time really meaning a lot to me was when, uh, was when George W. Bush changed his tone about the economy in the last six months of his presidency, mm-hmm. when he realized, you know, how colossally screwed the economy had become, and he really put all of his eggs into the basket of. We need to fix this. It doesn't matter if the solution is right wing or left wing. We just sure. need to fix this. And he really tried. Yeah. Um, and he was very, he was very, uh, he was very upfront and honest about mm-hmm. that. And I appreciate that tremendously. When when the shit hit the fan, he he took responsibility for it. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting point. I don't. I can't disagree with that. I mean, there's a lot of other. I mean, I think a lot of. I think I think I think most of 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 W's, you know, failings were that he, you know, he was not especially. He wasn't much of a. I don't know, much of a thinker when it came to, you know, ideology. He just believed what he believed. He went with his gut, and his gut wasn't always right. You know, he just. <laughs> right. It wasn't that he was, you know, it wasn't that he was evil. He was just kind of, I don't know. I think he believed a little bit too much in his own, you know, intuition and yeah, and I trust do. and probably trusted the people around him a little bit too much to give it to him straight. I do think he that couldn't. George, he couldn't see through the bullshit. Yeah, I do think that George W. Bush was fundamentally well intentioned, and it's hard. It's hard to to say that about our current president when there's so many question marks um also like dick cheney was a lot of things (laughs) but i don't think dick cheney saw himself as being evil well no one very few many people very few people are intentionally evil you say that like you know you say that but steve bannon actually has been quoted (laughs) yeah as comparing himself to yeah, Dick Cheney, even Steve Darth Bannon, Vader, and Satan. Even Steve Bannon, I think, believes that he has a non-malevolent purpose deep down. He just kind of he's kind of he's kind of playing, you know that that right. He, he was talking about the power role. of darkness. Yeah, but here, but, but like that's what's. But you know, you brought we brought up Bush and, and Cheney and and Obama and Trump. 
Where if you, if you let's take it back another you know president to to Bill Clinton, who is the ultimate example of a of a triangulating, calculating spinmeister politician, oh, who yeah. who was good at you know selling stuff and making it sound like it was you know his idea when it was really you know <laughs> coming from the Republicans or whatever. But you know he he got he he almost got taken out because he lied about a blowjob so his wife wouldn't find out. That was the thing that got the whole. That's what got him impeached. <laughs> um, I suspect we're getting close to time. I think so. I think one we of, should kind of wrap it up now that we've. One of my favorite <laughs> anecdotes on that note about the Clintons. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who was one of the head butlers at the White House, you know, wrote a book and did a number of interviews about his experiences with different families. And one of the really interesting things to anyone out there who's both listening to this and is also a fan of Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll understand that they're uh, that knowing how to appropriately treat servants is a really interesting positive quality. And one of the things that the that the staff of the White House have had to say is that the Bushes were always great to them mm-hmm. because they knew how to appropriately uh, how to appropriately interact with household staff. I heard Hoover was a real dick, by the way. Uh, but apparently the Clintons were not. They were always suspicious of staff. They weren't uh-huh. used to it. You know, they weren't used to having butlers. So so they were very, you know, secretive around them. And one of my favorite anecdotes is this guy was saying that there was one night in particular where all he could hear was just cursing and shouting and priceless White House artifacts being thrown into walls and shattered. And, of course, that was the week that uh, <laughs> that the Lewinsky affair became public. Uh-huh. So Bill clearly had to have that conversation, and he did, and it didn't go well. And uh, I like that anecdote, actually, because I find it to be tremendously humanizing for Hillary. Because mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton was throwing priceless vases at Bill Clinton's head. That, that she didn't pay for, presumably. Right, but... I don't know. I find that actually kind of endearing. <laughs> well, if you're not feeling cynical enough about the world and the state of the country, well, then you should turn in next week. Oh, definitely. It's been real. I'm Lelius Rose. I'm Ben Phelps. And we are Precious Snowflakes. Yes, we are.